Derek Carr is a Saint. Jimmy G is a Raider and Baker Mayfield is a Buck. What do those moves tell us about the way those teams perceive themselves? We're breaking that down today on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. You are Locked On NFL Scouting with the Draft Dude, your daily podcast for NFL and college football scouting. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's better than this? It's guys being dudes here on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. We're the dudes. I'm Joe Marino from Locked On Bills, and he's Kyle Krabs from Locked On Dolphins. And we are here for you daily to discuss team building across the NFL on the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Joe, uh, we're back in the saddle, obviously. And we're, we're obviously very excited about that. And we're talking quarterbacks and life cycles here today on the show. And I think anybody who's listened to us talk about football for any period of time is probably at least vaguely familiar with the concept of life cycles and how we perceive teams and the decision-making process. But I think it's probably appropriate for us as we explore Derek Carr and Jimmy G and Baker Mayfield and the Saints and the Raiders and the Bucks uh, to just at least touch on how we perceive team building as far as different stages of your life cycle as a team are going to dictate different kinds of decisions that you do and don't make. Yeah, that's that's a good way to start. I will say full disclosure, we had anticipated talking about Aaron Rodgers, but you know that just didn't finalize yet. So that, this that is the song that never brother, ends. Brother, that's, it just goes on and on, my friend. No kidding, man. No kidding. Um, but yes. The, the way you handle your quarterback situation in a lot of ways is the biggest indicator of how you perceive yourself as a football team. And there's going to be certain times for certain organizations where it's going to make sense to really go all in on a quarterback. There's times where it's appropriate to get the bridge. There's times where it's appropriate to start thinking about the replacement. And what's interesting about these teams is I think we get um, – teams at various points in this process so it should lead to some good discussion yeah for sure and you mentioned teams ready to push all the chips all in and just go and and that would have been the the conversation it will be the conversation that takes place with the new york jets when that time comes obviously we're going to wait until that happens and get our heads around the compensation that's involved as part of the package obviously uh, aaron went on mcafee and declared his intent to play for the jets and so now it's just playing the waiting game for them to iron out compensation and figure out what all of that is going to look like in New York. But we do have three quarterbacks who have already been on the move, who have already signed with a new team. And the first one that we're going to start with is Derek Carr and the Saints. And this is obviously an interesting one because the Saints, when you think about teams and life cycles, there's rebuilding franchises. The Saints have put that off for as long as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. There's young contenders. There's win now mentality teams and teams in transition is there any that is not in that kind of circle of life in the nfl that you would be willing to put the saints in that is not one of those four categories no i think they very appropriately with this move continue to view themselves as a win now team kyle yeah and what's fun is maybe we can get into whether or not they should look at themselves that way but 
by agreeing to a three or four year, $150 million deal with Derek Carr, $100 million guaranteed. I mean, they're locked into Derek Carr for at least the next three seasons. And the Saints have really been this team over and over again that just tries to pick it up and run, right? Patch the holes the best you can, get cap compliant, maybe make a few concessions, but they've never really tore it down to build it back up. And they've certainly had their opportunities with Drew Brees and his retirement, uh, Sean Payton moving on. But through that process, they've been very much, let's see how we can figure it out for this year and see what happens. And Derek Carr, now being this team's quarterback, is what it is signaling to me. And they've got talent. They've got veteran talent. You know, they've been reluctant to move on from some players. And so is Derek Carr going to be the difference in what we've seen over the last few years since Drew Brees moved on and really that last season of Brees? Can Derek Carr be the quarterback that gets this team to the postseason? Maybe in the NFC, but I wonder about long-term here if this wasn't yet another missed opportunity for the – Saints, to be honest with themselves, and kind of really reset. Well, I think that here's a couple things that I think are important as far as encapsulating the Saints. Dennis Allen does not have the benefit of the doubt that Sean Payton would have got through what? He had three consecutive seven-win seasons in New Orleans as they kind of transitioned, Mm -hmm. right? So there is a little bit of urgency to win. This division is also bad, right? (laughs) Like, Like you look at all the teams up and down, the division winner had a losing record in 2022. Uh, and I, I think the thing that, that also for me prevents the Saints from being anything other than a win-now team, you, I think you could have made the, the, the case that they were a team in transition, but look at the nucleus of the team now. You have Derek Carr under contract for the next four seasons. Uh, you have Alvin Kamara under contract through 2025. They just signed Jamal Williams through a three-year deal. Michael Thomas is under contract through 2024. Chris Olave is under contract through 2025, plus a fifth-year option. Taysom Hill and Juwan Johnson have multiple years left on their contracts. Ryan Ramchek, Eric McCoy, multiple years left on their contract. They just used a first-round pick on uh, Trevor Penning. This is the other offensive tackle. The significant like contract year players that they have is Cameron Jordan this year, and he's owed twenty three point three against the cap and a void year in twenty twenty four anyway. So that's a compelling reason for them to try to re sign him and make that work. Bradley Roby, like that's kind of it for expiring contracts for this team. So because you you already have like a two year window where the nucleus of this team is going to be under contract. I didn't want to entertain putting them in a team in transition because you can try to win through transition. But the Saints, obviously, with the way that they've approached the cap, they feel we're we're very comfortable in kind of taking this year by year. But the hard part feels like it's over because they took a lot of lumps last year with, with some dead money. And their starting point for dead money this year was nowhere near what it was in previous years. It was like a third of what it's been in the past. And then you've got the nucleus of the team under contract. Now, you could talk about Derek Carr and, and his assimilation into New Orleans and that offense, and I think that's a very fascinating conversation. But uh, when I look at the Saints and I look at the, the situation with the contracts that they have under under contract and the situation of their coaching staff, is a win-now franchise, no doubt. And, and I think Derek Carr, with where he's at in his legacy as an NFL starting quarterback, was important to go to a win-now team that was ready to be aggressive as, as you possibly can.
to make this work. I think the Saints starting lineup is pretty good. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't agree with you. Yeah. I, I, I think their starting lineup is really solid. And especially if Trevor Penning can come in and fulfill the promise of being a first round pick and solidify that left tackle spot, their starting mm-hmm. lineup is solid. It's the depth here, right? It's the defensive line depth. It's the secondary depth. It's Derek Carr being like able to step in here and, and take control of this offense in year one with everything new around him, a new city, new coaching staff, new players. You know, that's really going to be the difference. But back to what you said at the beginning here, the NFC South is bad. And someone's going to win this division. And someone's going to host a playoff game. And if you're the Saints, you feel like if you can stay healthy, which is a big if, right? That's been a problem for this team. You have a chance, right? You have a chance to host a playoff game next January. And, you know, we'll certainly get through some of the other teams in this division and talk about what they have and what they don't have. But the Saints have to feel pretty good about their chances to win now. Just how far into the future does this last? With Derek Carr, he's a, he's a Saint, right? He's not a Raider. A so in just team, a moment, natural transition shift, and segue. Shift our focus back to Las Vegas in just a moment to talk about their path forward with Jimmy Garoppolo. But first, I need to tell you about FanDuel. The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Plus, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss your chance to get your first bet, no sweat, up to $1,000 in bonus bets back when you go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Such a great promo no sweat first bet i would just hate to to need it you know (laughs) right but it's nice to know you have it so like you mentioned natural segue here we're all about segues as the dudes we got Derek carr going to the saints the team he left behind um you have josh mcdaniels kind of ran Derek carr out of town raiders i i'm gonna use air quotes here underwhelmed in 2022 as a playoff team in 2021 with Josh McDaniels coming in and what those expectations were. But I think that roster uh, that they had last year, their record was probably more indicative of, of who they were as compared to the playoff run at the end of 2021. Um, They signed Jimmy Garoppolo, obviously familiar with Josh McDaniels from their overlap time in new England. Uh, The Raiders, putting a large emphasis on former Patriots players, signing Jacoby Myers to the three-year $33 million contract in free agency as well. Um, The four that we mentioned, rebuilding team, young contender, win now, and team in transition. I think there's a very clear and obvious right answer here. Be interested in, in what your answer is for which of those four team life cycle chapters you classify the Raiders in. I call them a team in transition. That is correct. All right. When you say words like obviously, I'm nervous that we're not aligned. But, yeah, that's what it felt like to me as well. What's what's interesting to me about this Jimmy Garoppolo contract in contrast to Derek Carr 
is we talked about this is really a three-year commitment at least for the Saints in their car, where this three-year $72.8 million contract that Jimmy G signed to with the Raiders is really, really different. It's only a tick under $25 million average annual value, and consumably they can get out of the deal after year one and absolutely after year two. Right. And so to me, you know, I look at this deal and I think about Jimmy G and his ability to step in and be familiar with Josh McDaniels and the offense and, you know, maybe in, in some ways can stabilize it a little bit more than you saw with Derek Carr, even though I think Derek Carr is a better quarterback. But to me, this this move absolutely does not preclude a quarterback in the draft for the Raiders. Now, availability could be an issue, especially with some, you know, the Carolina Panthers already jumping them to move up the board. But I think this keeps all of the options on the table for the Raiders, despite, you know, somewhat of a commitment to Jimmy G. Yeah, uh, I just know this is a coach in his second year who has transitioned away from some talent in the name of, I got to get my guys in here. Yep. And, and, and any time that's the mentality, you're a transitional team, right? I don't think they're, they're willing to spend. There is some urgency to win and, and, and chase the Kansas City Chiefs and, and chase the Los Angeles Chargers and chase a playoff berth in a crowded AFC. I don't think you have the true DNA of a rebuilding franchise here. Case in point, they paid Jimmy Garoppolo and they paid Jacoby Myers. So they, they're kind of telling you what, what they think they are because they're willing to spend as compared to a team that is um, what the Chicago Bears were last year or what the Miami Dolphins were in 2019 as, as classic examples of teams that you talk about tanking or whatever. But but really, there there's an allocation of resources that's the point of emphasis for a year for those teams that understand, hey, you know, th- this ain't going to be a happy ending for us at the end of the year this year. A Raiders telling you that they, they feel as though they're close, I think – Josh McDaniels is going to get what he wants in a player and a quarterback who can execute and is more familiar with his system. That probably gives you a more wide lens of which to call a game, right? Because that's the concern is players first year in a system. Now everybody else that was here has had a year in your system that is incumbent, that is coming back. The question is, and this is an age-old question in general, but Jimmy's and Joe's versus X's and O's. I believe you referenced that on yesterday's show. Yeah, yeah, we'll say that a lot. So and um, <laughs> that's the the question that I have for the Raiders is, I don't think Jimmy Garoppolo is a better quarterback than Derek Carr. Now, I would acknowledge that Derek Carr did not have a strong season last year. In watching some of that offense, you know, it looked like there were a lot of timing issues, miscommunications, uh, instincts as far as knowing where your answers were when you were pressured early. Like, those are all questions that came up with Derek Carr, but you can grow into that. And I think Derek Carr and his skill set and the longevity that he has had is a nod that I, I would lean to Derek Carr. I would rather have as my starting quarterback in the NFL than Jimmy G. This is the question of how far can the scheme carry you? And the Raiders are going to be a fascinating case study for that in that regard because they got they downgraded at quarterback from a talent perspective in my eyes, and then they also downgraded with one of their primary pass catchers because they traded Darren Waller yeah. and brought in Jacoby Myers. And I understand they play different positions. I understand Jacoby Myers' cap hit is significantly lower in 2023 than what Darren Waller's would have been. But um, I think from a talent perspective – 
I don't know that you've got more dynamic at either of those two key positions within your offense. Yeah, I think that's fair. And, and I also look at this roster, and I don't think they're good enough on the offensive line. I don't think they're they good enough. Two years. Not good enough on the interior defensive line. Not good enough at linebacker. Not good enough at corner. And those are that's a lot. There's a lot of holes still on this football team. And so as you consider Vegas in the landscape of the AFC West, probably at best the third team, and then the overall AFC, which is extremely competitive, I think they have a very steep uphill climb to be a playoff team. And so you start to really wonder about the direction here. Can they assemble enough dynamic talent in a short enough amount of time for this McDaniel-Ziegler combination to work? You get very concerned, or at least I do. I know you do as well, about that Patriot way showing up in other organizations when Tom Brady's not part of the mix. It just hasn't come to fruition. And Mm -hmm. I kind of see it heading in that direction. So consider me concerned here about the status of the Raiders, their ability to find meaningful talent, their ability to evolve and fill these holes in enough time for it to matter and this to be a a long-standing situation with McDaniels and Ziegler. This this is actually incredible. (laughs) I'm looking at the spend that they have positionally, uh, courtesy of Spotrac, and their two biggest cap hits on defense, Joe, or who? Off the top of your head, you can get Crosby this. and Jones, I would Cros- think. Crosby and Chandler Jones. Chandler Jones, 19.3 in cap this year, and Max Crosby is 12.9. Who's the next biggest cap in on defense? Oh, boy. Man, who are, who are they even paying? And then there might be some very, very recent signings in the last 36 hours I don't, that have been announced. That Spillane and Faison, I, I don't know, man. Who well, would so it be? Spillane signed two for nine. The next highest cap hit defensively for the Las Vegas Raiders is Bilal Nichols. Oh, boy. At 6.6 against the cap. What's the next highest number after 6.6 against the cap, Joe? It's, it's, it's probably in the threes. Uh, Marcus Epps, 4.7. Oh, they just signed him, yeah. Like he, and he, Eagles fans were excited to get rid of him, let me tell you. Here's the cap commits in the back seven. Linebackers and DBs for the Raiders defense. 1.3, 875K, 875K, 750K, whatever the cap hit is for Robert Spillane, who they signed two for nine. Marcus Epps, 4.7. Brandon Fakes on, 2.8. Trevon Moring, excellent player. Yeah, I like rookie, him. But rookie contract, 2.1. Roderick Teamer, 1.5. Amik Robertson, 1.1. Nate Hobbs, 1 million. Tyler Hall, 1 million. Sam Webb, 875K. Jalen Elliott, Isaiah Polamalu, Isaiah Brown, and Bryce uh, Crosby, all 870K or less. That's it. That's the back seven for the Raiders. Now, you got some cap space at your disposal. My suggestion would be you're probably going to have to spend it. Yeah. And I'd be spending it in the back seven. I'd be trying to get one of these big-name linebackers. If you, if you feel like you can contend this year, you, you got to have more you got to have more on the back seven to defend the, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Las Vegas Raiders. Or, excuse me, the Los Angeles Chargers. In your own division. Much In your less own division. Extend much it out. the rest of the AFC. you got problems. you got some real problems. So, uh, quite the contrast from the conversation about the Saints and Derek Carr. Now, we've got one more team to talk mm. about and one more quarterback situation to discuss, and that's Baker Mayfield and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
Our thoughts on the path forward in Tampa right after a quick break. Okay, Joe. So we're ready to talk about the Bucks, And I'm glad the Bucks did something. Because if the Bucks resolution was, well, we're going to let Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert duke it out for the starting quarterback spot, I think that probably would have painted a very clear picture for you uh, as far as what they are uh, as a team. Now, Baker Mayfield, I don't know how much relief he all kind of gives you as far as improvement of play, but at least he's an established tenured NFL starter and um, former number one overall pick. So if you're looking at the pedigree, you, f- you feel like there's a different dynamic that Baker brings into the mix. I think the tough thing about classifying the Bucks is they are in a coaching staff who needs to, Todd Bowles needs to win, right? You know, Bruce Arians stepped aside. Todd Bowles stepped in last year. The team regressed in just about every way imaginable. The hard part is this team is, I mean, even right now, as of looking at spot track, they are hardly cap compliant. So they're a team that needs to win. But they're a team that just had Tom Brady retire. He lost $35 million against the cap with Brady's retirement. You're probably going to lose a number of players in free agency because of cap compliancy. So you could probably make the case that this is a team that should be rebuilding, but they can't, the, the coaching staff can't afford to rebuild. Yeah. It's been in some interesting decisions as well with, you know, letting go of a Shaq Mason. Um, bringing back a Levante David, you know, I think I think they are they like you said there. They do need to try to find a way to win some football games, and you know they're the reigning champions of this division. They still got a lot of good players on this team, some intriguing young young talent as well to go with some of their veterans. But you know, will they have meaningful enough quarterback play to win, but also compensate for some of the coaching issues that we've seen? Right, I thought. I thought their coaching really held them back in a number of ways last season. And and how does that get better without Tom Brady as your quarterback? You hope Dave Canales as the offensive coordinator can represent an upgrade to Byron Leftwich, and I think that's totally possible. But there's a lot of things that need to come together for Tampa Bay. Now, what's interesting to me about Baker Mayfield as, I guess, the quarterback of this team, he only signed a one-year $4 million deal. Now, there's some incentives that can push it to eight and a half, but Kyle – Baker Mayfield's contract isn't really all that different than Mike White, Jarrett Stidham, right. Jacoby Brissett, Taylor Heineke, Taylor Heineke. I mean, Andy Dalton. Like, they didn't – there wasn't a big market out there for Baker Mayfield. Now, this is going to be his best chance to play. He'll have a better chance to play than any of the guys that I just mentioned. But this wasn't a big commitment, and it says a lot about the way the league is viewing Baker Mayfield right now. Yeah, obviously bounced around between Cleveland and Carolina and Los Angeles and now what is fourth team in 18 months? Yeah. So it's it's been a very bumpy ride after what was a promising start for Baker. Um, I want to go back to the Bucks real quick just because I'm looking at how they, they are, their efforts to get cap compliant. You know, you mentioned trading away Shaq Mason and that was a pick swap that was involved there and they cut Leonard Fournette and – uh, you, you mentioned bringing back the Levante David. They also signed Jamel Dean to a four-year, $52 million contract. 
I didn't realize how deep into the void years they were dipping with their contract restructures as well. I mean, Russell Gage got three void years on the back of his restructure. Yeah, it just happened to him. Carlton Davis got three void years on the back end of his restructure. Chris Godwin got a void year on the back of his. Ryan Jensen got a void year on the back of his. Vita Vea got a void year about on the back of his. Like, this is a pretty significant amount of future cap at this point with void years for a team that you you wonder what's the ceiling of the team right and and the saints have perfected this this is the the dna that the saints have had and have lived in this world for several years so maybe the buccaneers will will just continue to to trend in that same direction but for all of the people that say that the salary cap is fake cool shirt man Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Check it out on the YouTube channel. Um, there are ramifications, and New Orleans has experienced attrition with their roster. And I think you look at Tampa Bay, and well, they released Donovan Smith. Now you've got a hole at left tackle. Who's your starting left tackle right now? Brandon on an, offense, on an offensive line that was abysmally bad last year. And I get yeah. you missed Ryan Jensen when he was injured. But... And now you have it, you've created another hole to get compliant. You just can't help but wonder if it wouldn't be better to rip the Band-Aid off and actually embrace the rebuild in Tampa Bay. You know, New Orleans ha- has kind of perfected it. And as we mentioned when we talked in the first segment, Joe, we feel like their, their nucleus of starters is good. I look at Tampa Bay, and I think you could say that there's – good players across this, but now they have a major question mark and a complete non-committed quarterback to go along with it. And the running game was just atrocious last year. So I think the DNA of what's going on in Tampa Bay is different than the DNA that's going on in New Orleans, even though with the void year and the restructuring, there's things that have been different. And I think that's case in point by what they were willing to invest in in signing a quarterback. I think it's a good way to put it that the DNA is different, but like, just like I said with the Saints, someone's going to win this division and host right. a playoff game, and, right. and and you could see why that influences maybe the way Tampa Bay treated this offseason. And there's a lot to like about Carolina. We'll get into that another day. Atlanta certainly make or break year. You feel like for Arthur Smith and you know where they're headed, but someone's got to win this division, and I think the landscape of the NFC South is dictating a lot of these decisions because I think you're reluctant to really pull back and and tear it down to build it back up because you don't feel like you're that far off. I could be convinced of any one of these four teams winning it. And I think that's influencing these personnel decisions. I'll do you one better. The state of the NFC conference in general is probably influencing this as well. We're talking about how loaded the AFC is and, all the quarterbacks and potentially Aaron Rodgers going to the Jets. And so you look at the NFC landscape right now, and you have Philadelphia won 13 games and 14 games. Won a lot a of lot football of games. games. They went a to the Super games. Bowl, right? But there's attrition that, that we're seeing take place to some degree there. I mean, it's not as abysmal as it once looked like it was going to be earlier in the week. They figured found a way to make it work with Darius Slay. They brought back James Bradbury. Um, you have Dallas, who is getting better. I, I think they've done a nice job of retaining their own pieces and uh, adding Stephon Gilmore via trade. Uh, 
But then you have the Giants, who are a team that made the playoffs but overachieved, and you have Washington with their question marks at the quarterback position, and Sam Howell and new coaching influence across the offense there and and what year one of that offensive system is going to look like. You've got Detroit as a team on the upswing, but Minnesota, I think, would probably be classified as another overachieving team, and they're... I have respect for what Minnesota's doing because I think they're being real honest about things. I think they are too. We'll get to that conversation another day, but some good content. Yeah. I'd like to talk Vikings because I, I contrast their decision-making compared to the giants and I'm coming to different spots. And I, I hate that because I was really in on some of the stuff the giants were doing. Um, but they, Minnesota was the big team in the North. And uh, I think they're a good regression candidate just from the number of one score games that they won and how, many times the ball bounced their way. Uh, you've got Chicago as a team that's rebuilding. You have the entire South division. You have the Cardinals and Rams looking at rebuilds probably with their personal situations. And you've got San Francisco with their quarterback questions, but like, so you've got, you've got like four contenders. So if you have a chance to be the four seed in the South, and if you end up, dominating the division maybe you'd log enough wins to be the three or the two like it's it's not an overwhelming slate in the conference that i think certainly plays a hand in some of this decision making as well yeah well plenty of off season to navigate still right that'll give us even more clues about what these teams are up to would love to hear from you if you have some thoughts on this discussion the landscape of the nfc these quarterbacks these teams Hit us up in the YouTube comments. Interact. We'd love to hear your opinions as well. Absolutely. So that is going to do it for today's episode of Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast with the dudes, Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino. We appreciate you guys checking out the show. If you're new, welcome. Hit subscribe. Stay a while. You know, you can find us on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Uh, Make sure you come back and see us again, too, because it is your team's every day here on the Locked On Network, and we appreciate you guys making us a part of your day. We'll talk with you all again tomorrow to bring this week to a close. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly... Everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.